Welcome everybody to the Amanda Fox official podcast. Today's story is called Stardust. I see us in an orchard somewhere, the sprightly green trees lined in neat rows and bursting with fruit. Ripened and battered pieces of apple litter the ground, the long grass licking our pants as we walk. Overhead, a few birds circle around looking for food, and the sun is shining, the sky a sea of blue except for one cloud way off in the distance. As bright as it is, however, the air is cool, sweater weather, and the promise of winter is visible on my cheeks. So is my lust for Mark. I like the way you taste, he says, taking my cold hand to suck playfully on my digits. Here in this sanctuary, he then nuzzles my neck and smells my hair, all the while greedily grabbing and squeezing at my breasts. As always, Mark knows just what to do and just where to do it. Too bad this picture of wistful romance is only a dream. See, it's complicated, this thing between Mark and I, and sometimes I wish we'd never met. My life would have been a whole lot easier that way, that's for sure. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your opinions regarding extramarital affairs, I knew immediately that he would be my type. From the way he walked to his tone of voice, it was obvious that the man liked to play games, that he liked to create scenarios, and it didn't take long for us to communicate this shared predilection. Meet me at the mall in 20 minutes. It was only our third real conversation. Okay. That he wasn't afraid to take charge was another checkmark on my list. It dampened my panties almost immediately. When I got there, he was nowhere in sight, so I parked in front of Dollarama and waited. A few minutes later, I saw him. He drove right past in his old Toyota. He knew which car was mine, but he didn't stop. Instead, he cruised over near the dry cleaners and parked there. Figuring it was his way of telling me to make the first move, I followed. Didn't you see me, I asked, once I'd gotten into the passenger seat of his pickup? Was he blind, or was this part of his scheme? No answer. Okay, well, what do you want to do? My heart was pounding. Shaking his head in disappointment, like I wasn't doing something right, he mumbled, I have some errands to run. I can't stay long. I could come with you, I suggested, setting my hand directly onto his crotch. Was I being too forward, or was this supposed to be fast? When he lifted his hips slightly, I knew I was on the right track. Oh, I said, and in the dimness of a flickering street lamp, I unzipped his cords and felt my way inside his briefs. Like a snake in a tight coil, his penis was satin over hard muscle. Pulling at the fabric to free him, I leaned in and brazenly placed my lips on his manhood for the very first time. Smelling faintly of laundry soap and desire, he shifted in anticipation. In the solitude of the car, the windows completely fogged up. I could hear the traffic outside rushing past, a distant and mesmerizing lull like the sound of crickets at night. Starting with just my lips... When I fluttered a few tentative kisses on the tip of his shaft, he let out a long, contented sigh and threaded his fingers through my hair. Amazed that one little body part could be the source of so much pleasure, I endeavored to play, sniffing at him and running my tongue up the side of his penis from the bottom, slowly, to the very top. Suck it, just suck it, he growled, straining to get more of himself into my mouth. His enthusiasm rousing my own, soon I was pumping and licking and swirling my tongue around his rigid post, his foreskin advancing and retreating as I moved. Up and down, around and around, the wetness of his fluid and my saliva combined to make things slick and easy to manipulate, and with my eyes closed, I allowed myself to get lost in the moment, a skill that had been eluding me for a very long time. His hands tighter in my hair, Mark moaned, Claire, oh my God, this was what I'd been missing, a man's ravenous need to have me, and like a maestro with her baton, I expertly stroked and massaged his organ, 
tugging at his balls until at once Mark's breath became audible and I knew that I needed to stop if we were going to prolong the fun. Frozen in time, I glanced up to look at his face. With his eyes shut, his head tilted to one side and his lips parted slightly, he appeared to be at peace, though his chest was rising and falling faster than normal. When at last he looked back at me, I knew I was safe to proceed, so I focused on the end of his pole, poking the tip of my tongue into the slit at the top, wiggling and wriggling into his hole until he was again on the verge of surrender. Groaning shamelessly now, his fingers knotted in my curly mane, he tried to control my head, pushing me down onto him. Jesus, Claire, that feels so good. Do it harder. He was adamant, and thinking that I might choke, that I'd appear unable to handle his passion. When I suspected that the end was near, I grabbed his testicles and held them tight, where they attached to his body, anchoring him somewhat to his seat. He must have really liked it too, because right after he exploded, his thick cream filling my throat, his grip so merciless that I was sure I'd end up with cuts on my scalp. Thrusting as best he could, when he'd finally discharged his last drop of semen, I just sat there and stared at his penis. Still erect, it was like a missile coming out of his pants. Are you always like this, I asked, wiping the excess unguent from around my mouth. I'd never known a man to stay hard after ejaculating, but then I hadn't known very many men. He smiled. I'm not sure. With Mark, nothing was ever straightforward. So if I wanted, I could climb on top and you could keep going? It was then that he wilted. Ah, so you are normal. Toying with his flaccid member and plucking at the hairs on his belly, I wallowed in the languidness of the moment, a jewel in my otherwise stressful life. That night made all the difference in what I expected from a lover. I realized then that there were people out there who coveted the same sort of situations I did. And with Mark, it was easy because he was just as into it as I was. That's what made him so special. He knew how to tap into my most intimate fantasies. More importantly, he knew how to make them real. We met for the first time on a Friday afternoon, the day before Thanksgiving weekend. The weather was unseasonably warm, my hair a tangle of frizz, my clothes sticking to my body. On my way to pick up a part for my beloved Eureka vacuum cleaner, I passed a used bookstore and a vegetarian restaurant, and then stopped to cross at the light. On the other side of the street, outside the Catholic high school, a group of saucy schoolgirls were shuffling about, posing and flirting in their knee socks and tartan skirts. As one young diva pushed her way between two boys, a man rode past on his bike. In black, rubber boots, and a fisherman's cap, he reminded me of my father, which is why I actually bothered to look at him in the first place. Where is he going? And why isn't he wearing a helmet, I thought? He should know better. With his back held straight, he rode as if he were king of the world, as if it were impossible that a car or a person might suddenly get in his way. Unnervingly captivated by this mysterious stranger, I watched as he pulled off about a block down, leaned his bike against the brick wall of a little strip mall, and went into Gary's music. Still waiting to cross the road, I suddenly felt very impatient, my pants chafing at my inner thighs, my shirt tight across my chest. Why couldn't the cars just stop and let me pass? Why was this light taking so damn long? In her constant need to characterize my personality, my mother always says that I demand too much, that sometimes my expectations of the world are completely unrealistic. Admittedly, she is right. Even as a child, I would create circumstances beyond what was real and expect them to endure amidst the craziness of everyday living. For example, I'd line my dolls up on the couch and pretend that I was a princess in a royal parade, a parade that was supposed to last for days and days. If anyone tried to touch them, I'd get angry and stomp around the house. It didn't matter that I had two younger brothers who loved to wrestle and play games in the living room. Moving into adulthood, my assumptions for how things should proceed remained pretty much the same, 
and I wondered if I'd ever meet anyone who would appreciate, or in the very least tolerate, this sort of behavior. My husband accepted it, I guess, but when I saw Mark that day on his bike, I knew that somehow he would completely understand. It was as if he carried a magnet in his pocket that was pulling me toward him. Unquestionably, waiting at that street corner was torture, and when the light turned green, I practically sprinted across, jockeying through the high school students and heading anxiously in the direction of the music shop, not quite sure what I was going to do when I got there, but determined to go nonetheless. Upon entering, I had to look around a bit for him. Standing near the back, he appeared to be scanning the shelves for something. Was he a musician? I guessed as much. As if to answer, he spoke. Hey, Jay, shouldn't that Ken Chipkin book be here? I need it for a gig I got coming up. In that moment, everything moved forward, or out, or up, as if someone had injected a new energy into my life. Hearing this man's voice made me feel like jumping and dancing. It made me feel like I'd just unzipped the universe from one blazing star to the next. It should be there, the guy at the counter called before turning to talk to me. Can I help you, he asked. I'm just browsing, I answered, pretending to be looking around. I found it. Having located the book, my mystery man then began walking toward the front of the store, his appearance even more intriguing up close, his mouth wide and easy, his eyes calculating and bright. Reaching into his back pocket for his wallet, he glanced quizzically at me. Was my attraction to him so obvious? Do you play the guitar? I had to say something. I couldn't just let him leave. It took a few seconds for him to answer. Ah, uh, yep. Yeah. I know. Stupid, stupid question. That's nice. I didn't really have anything else to say. Thankfully for Mark, it didn't matter. He took his purchase, thanked the shopkeeper, and casually ushered us both outside, his hand in the small of my back, like we'd been friends forever. You live around here? The students were everywhere, chatting, laughing, hanging out. No, not really, I said. I have to pick something up from a place over on 5th. And from there, the conversation continued for the next 15 minutes and again that same evening and the following day. Four weeks later and the mall was busy. Christmas was coming and the stores were packed. Mark had called an hour before to say that he wanted to take me somewhere. Meet me outside the Elephant and Castle at 7. Cold that night, the wind whipped my scarf as I hurried toward the restaurant. When I got there, I saw him standing just inside the doorway, well-dressed in tailored pants, a sweater, and a wool overcoat. Hey, I smiled, the warmth of the indoors a welcome relief. Hey yourself, he replied, slipping his arm around my waist and planting an affectionate kiss on my cheek. This small bit of contact, like everything else with Mark, though it seemed perfunctory, was always very calculated. Of course, dinner was great, the food and the company both. Do you want more wine? Mark poured the rest of the bottle into my glass and leaned back against the dark red leather of the banquette. In the candlelight, his complexion looked like creamy chocolate. Thumbing coolly under his chin, his eyes shone black. Sometimes I think we see each other too much, he said. Too much? I was thinking not enough. He would pull, I would push. That's just the way it was. Don't you want to keep it exciting? He smiled devilishly. It is exciting. Yeah, because we don't see each other all the time. I knew he was kidding. If we could have seen each other more, we would have. Both of us had busy family lives, though, which made the whole thing practically impossible. It was also what made the whole thing so necessary. Let's go, he said, looking around for the waitress. It's getting kind of crowded in here. Once outside, we walked to where I'd parked my car, in one of the last spots on the roof of the garage. Holding hands, we strolled leisurely, a light snow falling around us, the tiny snowflakes illuminated by the glow of the city. Nice night, huh? Mark stopped and gazed wistfully up at the sky. Beautiful, I agreed, squeezing his fingers tight. Well, he murmured, pulling me in close, his hand tenderly cupping my head to his chest. 
Breathing in the scent of his aftershave, the wine and the food, I reveled in the ardor, nuzzling into the softness of his clothes and his neck. And just when I thought the night was about to end quietly, his manner changed. Come on, he commanded, steering me over to the concrete wall separating us from the streets below. Then, kissing me hard, his warm tongue winding fiercely into my mouth, he began urgently exploring under my clothes. Searching inside my coat, lifting my shirt and bra, shoving up my skirt and wrenching over my panties, he simultaneously tweaked my nipples and fingered my folds, his hands bold, warm, and ravenous. Mark, I moaned, wondering if he'd planned this all along. Let me touch you, Claire, he pleaded, endeavoring to drive his fingers so deep into my vagina that he practically lifted me off the ground. In and out, in and out, in and out. It was as if he was set to taking over my body, his appetite so great that I wasn't sure I'd be able to withstand the assault. Fuck, I want you so bad, he growled, abruptly extracting his fingers and spinning me around. I've been wanting you for weeks now. Unzipping his pants and freeing himself right there in the open, he slid his swollen member to the very depths of my channel. Plowing away like somehow the frigid air made him hornier, like somehow the top of the building beside the cars and trucks where anyone could just walk up and see us was the best place in the world to fuck and as usual he was right after a few minutes of pounding into me like a madman he slowed and i could feel him leaning back his hip bones mashing poignantly into my fleshy behind knowing he'd be taking in the view i purred do you see how perfectly we fit together mark do you do you see it reaching down to rub myself my underwear and legs my hand wet sloppy mess I willingly and happily took what he had to give, bewitched by both the vehemence of his actions and by the distant hum of the holiday season. Let me hear you, Claire. I think everyone wants to hear you. Seconds later, I was soaring above the clouds, spasm after otherworldly spasm. Mark too hurled into oblivion, grunting and heaving and plunging into me until he was fully spent, the night a perfect combination of ambition and savagery. Standing in the dark, in the cold, the madness of the act gradually subsiding, someone honked fairly close by. Still under the spell of euphoria, neither of us really cared, but we climbed into my car anyway and sat in the back, lounging together and kissing on and off for another hour or so, until we were the last ones left in the parking lot. I miss you, Mark said quietly, his finger trailing lazily down the buttons of my blouse. I miss you too, I answered, smiling to myself. In the shadows of a quiet forest, Branches and rocks and pieces of bark cross our path. Not far off, the light shines brighter where the trees open to a beautiful rolling meadow. In anticipation of the sun on our faces, we start to run. Mark slightly ahead, me skipping buoyantly behind. Hurry, he calls. I'm coming, Mark, and to him I always will. The End